Mastering Radio with David Diamante, episode 71, and I've got a great guest with me today, the IBF flyweight champion of the world, Showtime, Sonny Edwards. Man, great to see you, brother. Yes, sir, David, thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Not the worst location to be the 71st episode. It's not. It's a pleasure. Tell the fans where we are. We, we in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, um, we out here, you know. That's right. Uh, now, uh, you know, I finally touched my feet on American soil. It felt good this week, I'll be real. This is your first time in the States? First time. Wow. And Florida's the, the first, you gotta come to New York, man. We gotta get you to Brooklyn. We kinda had to stop briefly in Miami. We didn't get to see much, just the runway. And then we had to, because of the storm when we flew in. But a little delay and then we got to Orlando. I feel like if you went to Brooklyn, you'd never leave. Do you think? Yeah, you'd love it. Should we go into a while or should we just leave that one for the next episode? <laughs> That'd be the next episode. Anyway, man, yeah, so uh, everyone, we're in Orlando, Florida. We have a huge fight week. Um, obviously, Richardson Hitchens and uh, Zapata, um, Sandy Ryan McCaskill, the return of Connor Ben, a lot of fights on the card. But you have a huge fight coming up um, that is referenced here, uh, December 16th against Bam Rodriguez. It's a unification fight, and it's a fight you've been clamoring for, and it's a fight that the fans cannot wait to see. Um, you met him yesterday for the first time, right? Yeah, yeah, first time we met um, at the, uh, the press conference, briefly just before. What was that like? Stage. The same as any other fight, I'll be real. Um, a lot of the times I've fought, you know, the first time I've met them is around fight week or a press conference. So. You know, I do what I normally always do. If I see my opponent, I go and show them respect. I go and introduce myself. Um, yeah, I feel like that's what fighters should do. I feel like we should carry ourselves a certain way, no matter you know how it might spiral in the events leading up to the fight. That's all quite human, but you know, beginning and end, you have to you have to start off a good line of respect because we owe it to ourselves uh, and the sport. Do you feel like when you meet a fighter, when you met Bam? You were able to read into him anything, or his his body type, his size, his you know how tall he is, how big he is, how you know maybe small he is. Uh, did it anything surprise you? Did you see anything in his eyes? Um, I thought he was going to be a bit taller than me. Um, I think I might be you know if not par, maybe a little bit bigger. I don't know. Um, I had big shoes on at the press conference, so who knows? Um, yeah, I thought, I thought he was going to be a bit taller. Um, you know, if we're just sort of descriptive purposes, I feel like, yeah, he's a bit fleshy at the moment, expected, coming off an injury, still a long way out to the fight, um, and he, he blows up like I do anyway, so, yeah, I was just half expecting that. I knew that he was heavy, and probably one of the reasons why he didn't want to do the press stuff, you know, three weeks ago, sort of, when it was first trying to get pushed. Um, I think visibly there's still, you know, some swelling on, on the right side of his face, I feel like that was probably the most noticeable thing for me, if I'm being perfectly honest. I think I'd be very surprised if he was, you know, sparring or taking any sort of impact on that right side of his face right now. I think, yeah, he's still in the healing process, which for me is a little bit worrying because, you know, I want this fight December the 16th. I don't want this to drag on. I don't want it to be, you know, oh, six weeks ago or three weeks ago or a week ago. Oh, we didn't have the camp or, or we're a bit too injured, so I want you know, that right side of his face to heal up nice and quick, um, get into 100% as soon as possible and him to have the best camp because I don't want there to be no excuses. So you can bust it up again. <laughs> no, see, when I get in the ring, David, I don't really try and do damage to my opponent. I know that sounds a bit of a mad thing for a boxer to say, but it's just not in my game plan. It's just not in my mindset. It's not 
they're hurting someone, it is making someone miss, it is reacting to what they're doing, it is consistently scoring more points than them. If it's a heavy punch or it's a quick punch or it's a slow punch, whatever punch I'm throwing is for the reason of where my body is, how the fight's going, what I'm doing with my gas tank. It's not go in there, search and destroy it. Maybe I wish that I had that mindset more, but it's just not who I am. It's not in my nature. Maybe for cameras and highlight rules it'd be better, but every time I've hit someone clean and solid in a fight, I'm using that to think how mentally I'm going to psychologically make sure that they're not coming back. And, we, and it's getting further and further and further. And for me, I've seen more fighters growing up and sparring, watching fighters, amateur professionals, the greats, I've seen more fighters get carried away with their success early on with fights, in fights. Third round, fourth round, they can land everything they're throwing, so they throw everything they can. And by the eighth, ninth round, they're spent, and then they're getting knocked out while they're ahead on the scorecards. Like I've, I've, I've seen that pattern, I've seen fighters, you know, get someone hurt a little bit, you know, go all out and then walk onto shots. I've seen all the mistakes, and my game, my main aim when I get into a boxing ring is to eliminate the mistakes. You know, you're never going to have a perfect 36 minutes, it's impossible. But every millisecond, every minute, every like, time I'm spent in unfavourable positions, because of how long I've spent in boxing and spent in a ring where I've got full control of the range, the movement, the timing, when they're throwing, what they can throw, what they're aiming for, I might lean over my front foot, am I expecting it? Like, I'm usually playing them a lot more than they even think. They think we're fighting when we're not, really. It's an absolutely great point. Um... I've seen that many times too. A fighter gets success early in the fight and then they, they think that they've got it won or it becomes easy and they get caught. You know, we've seen that happen a lot. Um, not going to put anyone on blast and start saying examples, but there are many of them. So you're absolutely right. And that's part of the reason uh, why you got the nickname Sonny Edwards, right? UD, Udwards. Udwards, that's it. That's UD, it. So we, go, we go through, we go through. Udwards. You know, unanimous six, decision. 16 unanimous decisions. Yeah. Out of 16 points. Yeah. I don't know too many people that can boast that. Sunny you normally Udwards. see that's some right. split decisions or. Yeah. But I feel like what a lot of people miss when they watch me box is I preach to the people that are around me and my fighters that I manage or um, in, in stable with 80%. And it doesn't make sense, 80%. Well, what's 80%? And my premise of boxing and a boxer, or anyone doing anything that requires effort for a 36-minute period of time, and that's not even taking a fight where, you know, one second of over-expulsion of energy, it's not you're five metres behind on a racetrack. You're flatlined cold maybe on the way to the hospital. So I always box. And every single shot I throw, and every single round I take, and every single move I make, you know, get a bit poetic with it, is within 80%. It's always within 80%. There might be times a fighter starts forcing out a little bit more, but if I'm driving at 100%, hitting every corner at the match exertion of my physical effort, the moment they try and put another 20% on me, I haven't got it. Right. But if I'm within myself... Got to have another gear. If I'm within myself, always, because I'm doing something that requires effort for 36 minutes, and I've got to stand capable to take and return a shot, with both my hands up in a, in a fight, in a war, why would I ever go 100% at any point, even if they're pretty much out on their feet? Because where is the actual logic behind that? I don't think Mo Farah would set out to win 
the 10,000 meter gold or the 15,000 meter gold and at any point before the finish line is in the site, hit his max, max, max effort because no matter who you are, how fit you are, your 100% is going to be your 100% just like everyone else. It's the max effort of something. And I think too many fighters, yeah, it works. And it works a lot of the time and it looks good too. Some fighters look real good doing it. But for me, when I see fighters going through that pattern and they get used to success, there's more holes in that fighter. There's more ways in. They're giving you more to work with. They're, 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 they're putting the effort. They'll get cold. They'll get tired. They'll get exhausted. You can put your arms up and I'll throw your arms. I did it. I've, I've spent two minutes in the corner without choosing to move. Why? Because I wanted the last two rounds to be really, really easy. And they were really, really easy. When maybe the couple rounds before that round, they might have got started to get a bit closer. So is that how you envision this fight? A unanimous decision? Yeah, in the first round knockout. You envision a first round knockout mm -hmm. against Bam? Mm-hmm. First round knockout. I'm wearing new gloves, David. Okay. What kind of gloves can you tell us? A puncher's glove. <laughs> Would this be Reyes? Is this another type of glove? Okay. Now you talk about Bam, you said he looks a little bit big. Let's talk about your diet. How do you stay at the weight? Do you find it difficult? Um, if I'm perfectly honest, you know what I mean? If you wanted to be perfectly real about things, I probably have, especially out of camp, the worst diet <laughs> out of any fighter that could consider themselves world level, I would say. No, I mean, when, when, when the breaks come off, I'm talking it's two, three Uber Eats a day, David. I'm talking whatever I want, I will have it. Why? Because in two months, I won't be able to have what I want, and I can't. So right now, while I can, I do. You know what I mean? This fight, I would say, however, between the Campos and where we're at now, because the BAM fight was pretty much done, and without being arrogant or being dismissive of a talented fighter, I knew I could beat Campos, and I prepared as such as I could. That was kind of like a just welcome to the zone, welcome to Matchroom, and now big fight. So that, like, this was, that was just like a little stepping stone. And I don't like them because they are where you slip, you know what I mean? But because I knew that Bam was there and thereabouts, I did more runs in the three weeks after my Campos fight than I did with the seven weeks notice that I had to fight him. There are other titles out there. Mm -hmm. El Rey has got the WBC, Artem's got the WBA, right? Why is it, why does BAM have the, 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 the mark on his head for you? <laughs> because he's the only one that said yes. So you wanted any of those guys? Any of those guys, David. Ask Eddie, he said it, he said it at a press conference. When I signed with Matrim, and, it, and, it, and he loves doing his business, with, by the way, He's even, you know, made a note of telling me, like, I wish all boxing business was like this. <laughs> we just had a list. I'll fight anyone that's not any of these lot for this, this and that, if we go over like that way. If it's big fights, it's this, and if, if win, it's this, if lose, it's that. Simple. It doesn't matter which one it is, it doesn't matter where it is. I know my worth, I know my value, I'm a world fighter. I'm probably as big in America already than I, I'm in the UK. I genuinely believe that, like, the reception I, I've been getting, etc. Like, it doesn't matter. And none of these fighters matter because really it's me who's going to win against any of them so it doesn't matter if it's that one that one or that one whoever gets it first i'm going to win and if anything if they do start taking the fights 
I hope that after I beat Bam, that I am getting called out by both of them because they want to, you know, be the man. Like, I'm, 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 I'm praying, but I'm not holding my breath because Dalekano I've sparred and Martinez, who knows how good I am, neither of them have remotely made it possible to even start properly negotiating. The one time we thought we had Martinez, Eddie had to, you know, get back on the phone to me, embarrassed, and say, oh, you're never going to guess what? <laughs> we can't get our fighter to agree. When is it the, the home fighter that doesn't agree? Why, you shouldn't be having a conversation until the home fighter agrees. I'd signed, pretty much, waiting for a contract. Days after days, it never came, because they never, never agreed. To me, the storyline is there for the Julio Cesar Martinez fight. That's a great one, considering <laughs> the history with your brother and uh, also your former WBC flyweight champion. Yeah, but he's a cheat. Because after his fight with my brother, he failed a drugs test. And just because other people in his stable that may be, you know, the most influential, current active boxer in the world of boxing right now, failed for the same substance, you know, in the same camp. Funny that, innit? Um, he got a complete blight. And that was after my, you know what I mean? My brother just got, bear in mind, yeah, he got put down. How many fighters get put down? I've been put down from fights. People get put down and get up and win. That happens all the time. Yeah, he put my brother down, and then he chose to make sure that, you know, my brother didn't continue by hitting him very late. So, yeah, that's the storyline. I've had him in my eyesight for longer than I even knew who Bam Rodriguez was. So, of, exactly. of course, yeah. like... It's a great storyline. A lot more build-up, you know? <clears throat> We've got the, the footage from the first thing, the, the video of me. You can see, like, a shot of me front row ringside, like, with a look on my face. Like, it's all there. Like, it's written itself. You know what I mean? I could get in the produce a room and help him with that one. Genuinely, I think, like, it's there, it's easy. Um, that's, that, that is an easy, big, promotable fight. However, David, he will not get in the ring with me. He's asking for millions of pounds, millions of dollars, tens of millions of pesos. He's asking for the world, genuinely, I've been told that by our mutual, because I'm inside, I'm in the club now, David. I'm not an outsider no more. <laughs> You're in the club. So I get, I get all the little get bits of gossip, you know what I mean? You get, you, get the, you get the intel. Yeah. Well, it's a great fight. You, speaking of PEDs, you're saying that he was a cheater, but speaking of PEDs, um, you've been quite outspoken on that. Um, how, how rampant do you think that is in the sport right now? And what's your feeling on this kind of thing? Do you know what? If I'm being perfectly, perfectly honest, about rampant, I don't know. Because I have genuinely, hand on heart, Never been in a gym, never even been in a conversation where people are openly talking about it. Like, you know, the system of it, you know, what they do, stabbing it here. Like, been in the gym and someone sneaking off and doing it. Like, so the actual rampantness of it, I, like, for me, in my deluded so, like, head, I guess, in my, like, oh, no one cheats. No one in my gym's ever found a drugs test. Everyone I've trained with has always been clean. I've never had to worry about it. But, you know, you look, out, huh? and then there's certain gyms that have found loads of drugs tests, and then there's them, 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 and they're all the same sort of uh, substance. It's like, well, how have you found from different places around the world all in the same substance? Isn't that a bit coincidental that it just seems to be, this? maybe that's like the really good one, like, that's the one they should really be doubling down on that everyone's getting caught for, like, because I don't know, David, because I think the most experience I've got of trying to research into any um, sort of PEDs really is What's that? There's a, um, a Netflix documentary about Icarus. Oh, yeah, I saw yeah. an incredible film. Within about four minutes or five minutes Crazy of watching film. that, within about four or five minutes of watching that, I paused it, I turned my TV off, and I walked out my house. Because if I carried on watching that, I would have been 
either not boxing at the end of it or a drugs cheat. Because how easy they were saying it was to do it was unreal. blew it's, my mind. It's an unreal film. If you guys are out there watching, haven't seen that film, Icarus. Four minutes, five minutes I made, David. I won't watch it after my boxing career because my head would fall off. If, if I start looking at everyone thinking that, that, that everyone can sort of do just... And he's teaching them how to do it as well, David. He's te- like, I've seen him pulling up with things. Like, he's basically giving information. So I just had to turn it off, man. Otherwise, speaking I might be on some... Speaking of your gym, you're training up in Sheffield now with Grant Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got Dalton up there, Junaid Boston. Um, and your brother trained up there with, with Grant when he won his world title. He's with Grant also, yeah? Yeah, my brother was Grant's first world champion and I was the second. And you're a second. Yeah. That's great. Why did you choose Grant? I mean, obviously you're from Croydon. Grant's all the way up in Sheffield. So how... It's a very... A lot of distance there. So, first knew Dalton through amateur boxing. I mean, age 11, 12, schoolboy finals. He used to come in... Uh, with mad haircuts, like lines zipped around his head, like he was just... And I remember all the Repton kids, I remember when he walked in, the first time I ever seen him, they all took the piss out of him. And he was fighting a Repton kid. Yeah. And they all took the piss out of him. I can remember saying, clear as day, I can remember saying, he must be able to fight like fuck, to have a haircut like that, yeah. <laughs> and I meant it, because he, like, he must, like, you know, he was a confident little kid, I wouldn't have a haircut like that, I would have got the piss taken out of me, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm confident. Um, and, but. Anyway, he beat a Repton kid, and that was like the kind of gym I was circling at that time, and all them boys. Um, and he beat a Repton kid, a good one as well, and beat him quite easy. And then the next year, he beat another good rated Repton kid, easy, you know what I mean? So that was age 13, 12, 13, 14, whenever them years were. Um, and with me, when I was an amateur boxer, the only thing I really cared about was amateur boxing. I didn't really care about the pros that much. I cared about who was winning the Worlds, who was winning the Europeans, who was qualifying for the Olympics, who was winning the senior ABAs, or even like the youth, like everything. I, I watched amateur boxing and digested it, and I didn't really care about pros, I'll be real. So when I moved to Sheffield, when I knew I was going to university, um, I got a place at Sheffield Hallam University on a sports scholarship, you know, they like, helped look after me and gave me some money, and I had free strength and conditioning and physio and all that stuff. It was good. Um, but when I was moving, I also wanted to carry on boxing. I had a lot of uh, ambition and I didn't try a single other gym. All I thought was, oh, who's the best Sheffield fighter that I know? Dalton. Dalton. And the second thing that made it double easier, and I still think to this day, like, was probably another deciding factor is my vehicle of my boxing career started when I was nine years old. I had a lot of wind in my sails in the fact that I had a dad that would pick me up from school, drive me hours to any boxing gym like that we was going to, Repton, up East London or whatever. Like, I had the engine, I had the vehicle, I had the passion of a father, you know, providing for their son. Sons, me and my brother. There's no surprise why we're both world champions in our history, you know. But Dalton had the same. But the actual trainer of the gym was also his dad. So it made it very easy for me to sort of not only trust like walking into the gym, but like the sort of the work ethic's gonna be right and like, you know, the mindset's gonna be right. I didn't try any of the sort of famous gyms. I didn't think, oh well Sheffield, Ingle Gym or nah, I just looked straight at what I knew. I'd met Grant before in the England trips. He was always there when Dalton was fighting. We boxed for England together a couple of times when I was from London living in London still. We boxed um, in different places, had training camps together and always got on with Dalton. And just, it was funny enough actually, just before, 
just before I joined, just before I moved, but it was already in the process of doing. I randomly happened to be in the same hotel on the same week on like little 18 year old, 19 year old lads holidays in Magaluf as Dalton. You know what I mean? It was like just before that we had like a little like buzz and then yeah, I joined and I haven't looked back since. I want to talk about, first of all, you talk about Repton. I mean, what, that must have been amazing to have that experience of that gym. What was that like? So, what I loved about Repton is that it was a melting pot of talent from such a wide catchment area. And there was so many bodies in there. You know, for some fighters that were kind of at the bottom of the pile, it might not have always been the best. But for me, I walked in Repton as a top kid. I was the best sparrer. I could do 10, 12 rounds. The secret about me, David, and probably why I wasn't the best amateur, is from about age 12, 13, 14, in that same vehicle my dad would ensure, pretty much, that I would be doing minimum six, eights, tens, twelves, round sparring. You know, two, two, two in a row, maybe two rounds break, two, 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 ten rounds like that. From a young age, I was geared up to you know, avoid damage and stay mm. in the ring and like, it was almost like I was a, uh, like a performer sometimes. I remember someone said, like one of the, the parents that knew him once said something along the lines of, what's this, the Sonny Edwards show? Because it was like the fourth <laughs> week in a row where they've just seen all, their, all the kids spot me. But like, that was always kind of what I was on. And Repton was, you know, before I got to Grant, my favourite club I was at really, I think. Just because I would go there and it was a long session, but I would get, you know, first round pick as well. I'd always be like, yo, Sonny in first, you know what I mean? And I would do about 10, 12 rounds a night. And it, I, would, I might start with one that's a bit lighter. I'm going all the way up to like the kilos that are like 60 something kilos, 70 sometimes, like the big lads that were a bit younger and that like, just to move around. And, and I loved it. Like I loved the fact that I was just going and sparring. It was actually me going to Repton was the first independent decision I made about my boxing career. I left my dad's home, stopped boxing for seven months. And then when I picked the phone back up to him, realising I was addicted to boxing and couldn't shake it, I was a little fat kid, I went, I want to start boxing again, but I'm going Repton, I ain't going nowhere else. Because I'd been going to Repton sparring whilst training for other gyms for like a couple of years. And I said, if I'm fighting, I'm fighting for Repton. I did. And I went from having never won any national titles, now I knew I wanted to box as well. I think that was another important thing, because like, I'd come back to it and knew that I needed it. Telling my mates I can't come out this weekend. I could. <laughs> I didn't want to. It's the moment I knew and went back to Repton. I won six national titles. Boom, 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 boom. Everyone, I was unbeatable. I was just the best kid ever. Like, and I still didn't get picked for anything for England or GB. So six national titles, but then you lost in the ABAs, didn't you? That was my last one. And, and, and was that the, you said after that I'm going pro? So the story behind that really is when I got on GB, and this will be a good segment, because of the relevance of it. And this is my side and just my personal gripes and you know, my chip on my shoulder. So that's the disclaimer. <coughs> but in 2015, in the ABA semi-finals, in a competition I won, beating a GB kid in the final, Joe Mafosa, um, in the semi-finals, I beat Galawi Afai. Within 12 months, we both got on GB. We got on GB through the same assessment programme. We got on at the same time. And I was fit and in shape this whole time, this whole period, five months. And in that five months, he'd been sent to five different tournaments, including WSB. So there was like three tournaments, two WSB or something like that. In that time, David, how many times had I been sent to? How many? Guess. How many had I been sent to? Guess. 
Zero. Yeah, this mad, yeah. And then fi they finally sent me to somewhere in the March. I got in on like October or something. It's like my fifth or sixth month now, I can remember. They sent me to, to um, like a B-level tournament. But what was good about it, or C-level tournament, but what was good about it is I had a few countries that have a lot of qualified uh, fighters for the Olympics. So my first fight for GB, after they'd already sent Galau and Galau was doing really well. Well, of course he is. You sent him to five tournaments. Like, I'm sat here thinking like I'm bench, sidelined, hating everything that's going on. Even like saying things like, Yo, why, am I, why, why am I not getting thought about for this? Well, in my opinion, I was getting in the ring sparring him. And it was times the coaches was pretty much saying to him, like, come on, you're going to have to, like, you can't keep boxing. Like, so why was he getting sent everywhere? Why was he getting all the, the five dates and we could go back and we could, I guarantee we could trace it because I, I don't get things wrong, David, yeah. And then I got sent, after his five, I got sent to the one. And I beat the 2013 world champion who'd already been to two Olympic games got to quarterfinals both times and lost to the gold medalist, both times. And he'd already qualified for the Olympics that was happening in Brazil in three, four or five months time. He'd already qualified, he was the number two AVP qualification. And I beat him in my first fight. Okay, I did get injured, but it took me having to do all of that to even be considered. I got off the flight, I got pulled out of the tournament the next day because I snapped a ligament in my thumb. Beat this kid, I wasn't supposed to. GB trainers got into me. Don't worry about the result, just enjoy it. I'm looking at him going, I'm gonna beat this, what do you mean? Enjoy it. He'd had more fights on their record that they've got videos of, something like 88 wins and six losses or seven losses, than I've even thought about having fights. But I beat him, and I beat him clear. It was a split decision, I think, even though it weren't. Beat him clear, two rounds to one, I thought. And then when I come back, they sent me straight from the airport to Harley Street or somewhere like similar to get my, um, my thumb looked at. They saw that it was a complete rupture tear, and they said, oh, well, he's out. And what do you mean I'm out? Oh, you're at, like, you're at the qualif like, qualification, like, selection process. I was like, huh? Because one, I didn't really think I was, but when I beat this kid, that was a better win than Galau had got. In all of those five tournaments, he'd lost a couple of times, etc. that was a better win than he had got. So I'm now thinking, well, even though I've got a bad hand, my Olympic dream is back on, at the last hurdle. And then because I went and got my thumb scanned, then now GB are making me wear splints, not let me hit the bag, not let me do this, not let me exercise. And I was losing my mind. I was getting told off by the physio. The physio was like hiding behind like things and then reporting me to the coaches. Because all I wanted to do was prove that I could still do it. They wouldn't let me. They sent him and he qualified. Why do you think that? So is? then, just to get to what, the original point, and then I entered that ABAs six weeks after I'd done my thingy. Six weeks after, so I'd done it and I just entered the ABA because I thought, what else am I doing? with one hand, and then, okay, yeah, I got to the final, and it was a nothing fight. My corner thought I won, it's GB coaches thought I won, I think the kid kind of thought I won in the right two rounds to one, but it was a very, very, very close fight. Three rounds, they gave it to him, who are, you know what I mean? And then I turned pro, but you, you that said. whole process, yeah. and, with, and, it, and it didn't just start at GB, I mean, I got overlooked for England every time. Five national titles in a row, and I never got sent to one Europeans, one Worlds. I was always overlooked. My style wouldn't work. Oh, you can do that against them, but you won't. And then the moment I did step out, I'd be at 2000. Three years before, he was a world champion. Do you Three. think that's what it was, your style? I think my attitude, I think I walked always with a confidence in conversation that might have uh, challenged insecure people. And I think in a lot of these jobs, you have um, people that have their interests 
rather than the boxer's interest at heart because they're a part of like a team. They're looking at the, the you know, the fighters are coming in, but they go and it's not even their decision. They, they get told to, to do pads with. It's not, this, it's, a, it's a work of labour rather than, you know, a work of love or compassion, or passion, sorry, in my opinion. And they care about their job more than they care about defending or sticking up for a fight, etc. Which, you know, your trainer, you're going into war, should be the, like, the whole way it's set up, I disagree with, but my gripe of, you know, maybe Galau getting selected, then them making sure that I couldn't get sent, making sure they weren't letting me spar, making sure they weren't even letting me hit the water bag, and was getting reported and told off and told I had to miss sessions, etc. Like, told to, making me put all these mad stuff, I'm like, oh, I'm alright, I can fight. Wouldn't let me. They sent Galau, he qualified. I mean, I like Galau, so it's never like personal. I do have a lot of respect for him and as a person, time, but you know, sometimes he is just that character in my storyline. It's annoying that I like him so much because it'd probably be much better if I didn't. But till this day, who is Galau Yafai's trainer, David? Who is he? Who is he? And who was he back when I was trying to get in the Olympics? The head of GB. So you're telling me I got. Five times where he got sent, made sure I was injured, everything. He got sent to two Olympics, one Olympic gold medal, but who's his trainer today? And he probably would have been regardless of how much sex really he had, because that was always going to be in the game plan. So Galal's under the same banner. Of course he is, is and that's this, why the phone is ready, and he knows that. Is this not, a fight that you want? At some Eddie point. knows, Galal knows, Cal knows, Gamal knows. Everyone that could be slightly involved All of knows. knows. Everyone knows. <laughs> that I'm, not, I'm not calling them out because obviously, like, and I did, I, I feel like I did give them some advice. Like, no, genuinely, don't just get rushed straight in. Take the rounds, get used to it, get some experience. You know, the first time you do 10, 12 rounds, you're going to get blisters on your feet, etc. Things that people don't tell you. I'm telling maybe my greatest adversary from my same country yet. Because like, why? Because I like him. But I want him to make, I want him to get there so bad so that I can write that wrong of all those years ago and actually my Olympic gold medal. I believe that. If you sent me, I would have got one. That's genuine what I believe. Maybe you call me deluded. But within five years of getting laughed at for turning pro, I was a world champion. Well, all the dickheads that laughed at me when retired now all got beat by fucking uh, British level fighter. That's, that's my reality. You were 19 when you beat Murdy, right? No, not 19. I was 20, 25. 25? 25 when I beat Murdy. I'm 27 now. Two oh, you're 27 now. Okay. But I remember after that fight, you were talking about the blisters on your feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't the worst, though. Like, the first few 10, 12 rounders, like Ryan Farag, even though I punched his head in, I had pools of blood and couldn't walk the next day. I was walking like, because over time, your feet have to harden. Yeah. That's why I run barefoot sometimes now, David, to strengthen my feet up and connect me and get me closer to God and this earth. Let's go back to the beginning a little bit because you and your brother, I remember the stories of uh, your mom had a, had a boxing ring in the front yard. I like my mom's, it was my dad's. It was your dad's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It was my dad's. Um, and you and actually, a boxing ring in the front yard? Do you know what? That's actually like a story. So. When I was first getting into boxing, I'm talking, I might not even have had a fight yet. We used to go and do six weeks holidays down at the seaside. Get like a chalet, my dad would come on the weekends, go back to work, we'd stay with my mum. But we'd train. When we started boxing, we'd train and we went to a, a gym called St. Gerard's. St. Gerard's. Um, and did genuinely love going down there, but I was training alongside, at the time, he was a top 10 heavyweight of the amateurs, which as I got older, I realised maybe that's, you know, he got to the pre-quarters or the quarters of the ABAs and now he's ranked. He might not even that. He might want a university or something he's ranked in. But to me, he was like a giant on giant shoulders. He was like, looked up to this man that there was a, a ranking and he was 10th and it was like, it was even just considered. And 
And I was like training him as just a little kid. I looked up to him so much in just like a short period of time training there. Six months after, I'd spent the whole summer down there, I'd met his sons and was going to their house and everyone. He passed away. He, 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 he died in a, a motorbike accident. He was, you know, typical alpha male motorbike, 130 miles an hour, just an adrenaline junkie, I guess. And that was ultimately, you know, unfortunately his demise. And it was really sad. Like, it really, like, broke my heart as a kid. Affected you. How old were you? I was only about nine, ten. Nine, ten. And the, you know, his partner, the partner we left behind and his two, you know, children, um, you know, she didn't want him to be around boxing, sort of alpha lifestyle, I guess. You know, like, as you can imagine, you know, a widow at that time. So she called my dad because she knew that close and what, you know, she was kind of... Uh, Danny Hall, rest in peace, was doing with his two sons, you know, having him around boxing, etc. Um, having the boxing ring in the house, etc. You know, my dad was kind of doing with us. So that was a gift, you know, passed on from someone I looked up to at wow. a small age. And then that, that, that's what it was. That's like, how you got the ring. Yeah. I and mean, it sat in your front yard? It wasn't, it wasn't bought, it wasn't purchased, it wasn't ordered, it wasn't built. Like, it was a gift, you know, and, and a gift that actually really meant something like that. What do the I mean? neighbors say? Is <laughs> a boxing ring in the front yard? Oh, that's the, the boxing ring. Like, you know, if, if, you, if you lived on that street of 10 houses, it was mad. Yeah, we lived like opposite, like an industrial unit. Sewage is in the back, but all big houses. You know what I mean? But just in a random, as they're just over the road, just like in a random spot, there was these houses, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Like Bennett and Lane. If you know it, you know it, yeah? Um, <laughs> stinks like shit, genuinely. Like, the sewage <laughs> right by the back here. Yeah. I'm not even joking. You get nose blindness after a while, don't worry. Like, um, <laughs> nose blindness. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah, if you, if you was down Bennett and Lane, yeah, that boxing ring wouldn't have been like the, the, the reason why you're talking about my house. My dad was mad, you know what I mean? Like, he's did always a doing bunch so. of kids from the neighborhood come and, and mix it up? or no, no, like, it was just like we had like, we had like, t only like 10 houses and, you know, my upbringing, especially till about 14, was quite like, I know where you are, you ain't going past there, you ain't going past there, you can go play football over there. Like, I was going to the gym. I didn't just have free reign in the world at that age. Um, but yeah, we had like a little click. And uh, yeah, sometimes the boxing ring or usually the trampoline, you know. You know, I could tell you some stories about my brother on that trampoline. I was a spiteful bastard growing up, my brother. You, know? <laughs> you and your brother, there, there, is, there is some, I mean, obviously you've sparred probably hundreds of rounds with your brother. Thousands. Thousands of rounds with your brother. But there was a moment not too long ago when he was calling you out. And what's going on with that? I mean, is that something that would ever happen? You guys are on better terms now. What's, what's going on with Charlie? Do you know what? I feel like... Deep down, I knew what it was, but it still didn't mean it didn't annoy me and antagonize me, especially when it was going on. But like, he put himself in a position with you know a terrible manager and trainer, in my opinion, my humble opinion, um, where his career had absolutely no shine or no limelight to it. Bear in mind, for someone that was built up and in the limelight like he was, that's very surprising to see it. But when you've got a manager that no one wants to speak to, it's hard to get fired, <laughs> you know what I mean? So what he was doing, probably advised by him as well, you know, whoever's advising him. Oh, call out your brother, that'll go. You get attention, he's just signed, etc. So you think it was more of just a... Just to get some of his name out there and attention, some, as he was, right. you know, getting ready to come back. Um, but in all seriousness, like, me and my brother, we have great rounds. Like, he's always been my benchmark. I was always three years behind him by age, but probably not 
in performance. It probably started there, and then, you know, by five years of us both doing the sport, it's probably like two years difference, and it'd be like one year different, like even though the age was still the same. So we've always been really competitive because like, from about 15, 16, I could mix it with them a little bit. And then by 18 and 19, I'm, I'm there, you know what I mean? We're having proper spars and it is what it is. He, he's always been a good fighter. He knows me as well as anyone else could. Probably better, really, let's be real. Um, and I always do enjoy the work because we haven't sparred in years now. And that's probably what's made it as well, that we haven't been around each other as much. He's probably getting ill-advised by certain people to tell him to say certain things. But since then, like, we've genuinely come back on to good terms, like genuinely good terms. It's and good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Is like, he still down in Portugal? Yeah, he's in Portugal. My, um, he just had my mum, my sister and my auntie over um, visiting him and his, his family. So I wanted to go, but I was in Tenerife for my training camp. So, you know what I mean? I just sacrificed. But yeah, I think it's good. And I think now he's hopefully in a place where conversations are getting a bit more exciting again. And for me... He's still got a lot left to offer. He's, even when he's not around, he still like talks about people know him, he's visible, he goes to shows, he's not like, people have forgotten about him, they know exactly who he is. And, you know, maybe my visibility now and success now, you know, that he started, I sort of came through and I pushed maybe further. And now maybe it's his turn to come back and, you know, double leapfrog me. And I really hope he does. Like, as much as there's competition, if he ain't competing, there ain't no competition. I want him to be pumping in front of me and I want to go in front of him and out like. That's how it's always been. Yeah. That's how it's always been on the runs, on this. Like We grew up in, in beds next to each other with video games and TVs at the end of it, competing about everything, arguing about everything. We're competitive. Why should we be so good at what we do? But it doesn't mean there's not love. No, there's so much love. Like, of course, of like, course. I can slag my I brother, got a brother off. I got a brother yeah, too. So I, I can slag my brother off as much as I want, but you can't. You yeah, know what that's I mean? Right. That's exactly you right. You can't. It don't matter even, like, you that's can't. exactly right. It don't matter if I'm, I'm doing it now, you can't do it back. That's exactly right. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's how I am. Like, and always have been. But I think with me, people only really see the little bits that they get to see, the little tweets that catch their attention or that little clip or... The, the interview they see maybe when I was all excited or arguing with someone like. Let's talk about, you You were talking about Tenerife and we were talking about Portugal. Mm -hmm. You had some time in Marbella, you trained with Danny Vaughn. How'd that, how'd that uh, come about? <laughs> what was that time like? You know what? My time with Danny Vaughn, yeah, it, was a, it was definitely a fun time. I'll be real, especially at that time, I can't speak for his coach now. Danny was like one of the lads. Uh, Danny was like one of the lads. If you wanted a day off, you'd get a day off. You know what I mean? I remember being, well, no, it's hopefully not being too disrespectful. Like, this is just my history. This is my story. And I do like Danny, and we've sort of squashed any sort of animosity that was. But my perspective was it, you know, I joined, I left Grant, who was very professional and very, you know, on it. And then when I went to Danny, it was a bit, just a bit more looser. And, you know, oh, you're coming at this time. Or, oh, yeah, go on. Yeah, don't spar today, just do some bags. Like, it was a bit more like that, which was alien to me. Alien. I had my dad that was... More rounds, more rounds, this at three hour sessions. Oh, you've trained for two and a half hours, but 20 minutes before we get home, you and your brother are running out 20, like three miles back home. Like, we was like kid soldiers. <laughs> I mean, like proper, like, yeah, I trained. No, for sure. I can guarantee my brother will say the same. I trained harder as a kid than I've ever done as an adult. Because, yo, my dad and us are some bullshit, you know what I mean? Like, but just old school stuff, but it's made me and gave me the legs and the engine I have today. Yeah. So I wouldn't change any bit of it. I wouldn't change one bit of, you know, because I wanted to play rugby, be doing training after school, a full day of school till five o'clock, and then going for a six mile run up steps. Like, 
I wouldn't change it for the world because I became a superhuman. Now I don't even have to train that hard and I'm always fit. And that's because of the work I've done there. No, I just always took over. And I'm never far away from my boxing ring. Always got gloves and we'll travel. I love it, man. There's so much exciting stuff to come. And uh, thanks for spending the time to talk to us. We, we do have to wrap it up uh, shortly because the producer's off, off camera saying we got a short time. But I do have some fan questions. Are you okay to answer them? Yeah. Okay, let's, let's get to these fan questions real quick. Um, let's see here. And I didn't even ask you about your kids. You got two kids. What? Two beautiful baby boys. Yeah, um, what's, what's that like, uh, being a dad? Um, Bobby and Chance. Well, Chance has just started school, um, and, and I got to do you know, the first school run. It's been a bit sad. I was in training camp when he had his first day, and then I was only home for one day to take him to school okay. um, before I had to come out here. Um, and then I'm going to go London. And when, when I'm back in Sheffield, I'll be able to do it a bit more. But yeah, just doing that school run, I nearly started crying. I was, he walked into the... He walked off with his little mates and, and I was still staring. It was like a film. I didn't realise I was doing it. I was still staring at the door and he'd gone. Like he, he, he'd gone all the way down and he disappeared and I was still staring and my eyes started well and I was just stuck absorbing in that moment and I walked to my car and I just sat there and thought, what are you fucking doing? You know what I mean? Oh, that's great. But the love I have for them kids uh, wells me up. Um, yeah, a beautiful baby, naughty one, Bobby. He's got, <laughs> he's got, he's got hands like a bear, the boy. He's got a little finger bigger than his big brother already. He's a, would, he's you a, ever, would you ever uh, let them box? I mean, hopefully they, don't see, hopefully they don't see this, yeah. But I want them to. If, if, if they will always be shown the importance of, you know, knowing how to physically handle yourself and be fit and disciplined and, and know how to fight because the world is dangerous and know how to run and be able to run for a while. I, I feel like I try and install those values whether they can box or not, whether they are competitive like that, whether they want to do it, that will all be on theirs. I know you can't push someone into a boxing ring. But you'd ring. let them? I would let them. Yeah. I would, more than let them, I would encourage it. Would encourage I would it. go to the end of the earth. I would use every connection and, Eddie, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Everything I could ever do for those boys until I'm blue in the face doing it. Because, you know, when I'm there at the end of my life, that, that one regret I'm not going to have is my kid's life. That is not going to be it. I might regret a lot of things. How that turned out isn't going to be it. I'm not going to let it. That, that, that's failing to me. I've got kids now, it's my only responsibility. Paul Hines asks, one fight I want to see is Sonny versus Juan Francisco Estrada. How does that sound to you? El Gallo. You know, if I'm being perfectly honest, like, he's just sort of in the mix of them named fighters. For me, like, he's a good fighter. Of he's course a great he is. Fighter. Great fighter. But, I don't, like, would I think he's the biggest? I don't know, I don't know how big his superstar is. I, I, like, I've seen him fight, obviously, a few times, and I know what he's about, but... Like, you know, for me, it's like, you know, when you hit it, like the Siskarets, like Estrada, Quadrasses, they all kind of just start like blurring into one for me. All these other fighters. Chocolatitos, Street Skets, or Rocky. Okay, no, Chocolatito. Like, so right now, there's like probably like a, a band of about eight fighters, 10 fighters, maybe 12, that are just, yeah, you lot are world level. Then there's Chocolatito because of the marketability and his level. Yeah. And then there's like the fighters beneath it. And I think I'm in the mix of these, but obviously, I can't fight myself. So the ones I'm looking at, there's about, you know, 8, 10, 12, and, a strike, and I'm talking about these are the best. I'm talking about, the, like, I, I would consider all of you lot the best. Because I, there's too many variables that it's like, oh, he's number one, he's number two, he's number three, he's number four. Like, it doesn't work like that. There's just, not like, a, a level, a pool. Sure. There's a, there's a pool of us. And, yeah, say let's just take fly and super fly weights. Yeah, he's definitely in it. 
I think I'm definitely in it. I think Bam's in it. I think Martinez is in it. I think Dalekan's in it. I think, uh, you know, Estrada, um, Quadras. I think, just, you know, all the names. I know the names. And we're in it. Below us, probably like the Glau Yafais, um, you know, a few of the other ones coming up. You guys are the new generation. Of course. But right now, I think I'm in and amongst it. I'll be real. I think beating Bam as well. Or, you know, start putting my head above some of them as well. Well, for I'll sure, that'll, that'll definitely make a big mark. Um, Jane Greenlee asks, what does the not mean on your Twitter name, not Sonny Edwards, confused? I don't have to, uh, what do you mean? So your handle, we've talked about this before, I can't remember what your answer, we talked uh, about this a long time ago. Oh no, I, I sold my Twitter account a long time ago. So you don't have it anymore? I don't tweet. Oh right, okay. That's someone else. I don't right. know who, I sold it anonymously on, on, right. okay. on the dark web. So we're not gonna answer Jane? Oh, the not means it's not me, you know okay. what I mean? So at least, all I said is if you're gonna buy it off me and tweet stuff, like, just so I don't get sued, can you put not, not Sonny <laughs> right, Edwards? So if you, like, what? <laughs> like, gotta. All right. At Bait19 asks, when was the last time you spoke to Uncle Frank Warren? Um, one of his shows. You know, every time I see Frank, I get a smile and a hug. Like, there was no animosity, there was no bad blood. Um, it was in a position as well where I think they knew that in order for them to get any fights really worth me having, like, they're, they're probably having the centre quite a lot around me and are they going to do it on a flyaway? Is it easy to do? Do they want to? Like, there's, there's no animosity and there was no reason why, you know, my career might take me back with Uncle Frank and, like, we're boxers. As much as I'm really enjoying being over here, if you go into this and you just think, oh yes, you know, they built me up, I'm going to stay with them. Like, unfortunately, promoters don't look at us like that. We shouldn't look at promoters like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it, but, it, but it's not like, if when we're having a conversation, we can't get to a mutually agreeable where I think this is the best for me and you think this is the best for you, that doesn't mean I'm a bad guy, you're a bad guy. No, it just means our business things right now, you, I might overvalue myself, you might undervalue me or vice versa or whatever. Like, I might just, for some reason, think this is a better, or, like, there's differences. Nothing's black and white, but, you know, if people are good to me and stand by me, then I like showing loyalty, you know? And I feel like I did with, with Frank, and we went all the way to a world title, but, you know, at that period, I think I'd exhausted what I could do, you know, with that network, really, because there was no fights for me there, so everything was enticing and overpaying to bring fighters over there. Uh, Sonny, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure, brother. No, thanks for having me on.